Hi, we are Angie and Annalie, and this is Brain Basement, a podcast where two friends who used to do yoga together in a basement now chat about chaos and wellness. As moms, we understand chaos. As expats, we get what that chaos looks like when you take it overseas. From Manila to San Jose, we share stories of living abroad and explore topics around mental and emotional well-being. This podcast is for expat moms who want to find wellness amidst the chaos of everyday life. Welcome to Brain Basement. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to Brain Basement. Uh, Happy to be here today with Angie. And as always, we're going to start out with some breath work by Angie, and then I'll introduce our topic. All right, guys, let's uh, settle into our bodies. So just take this opportunity, wherever you are listening to our podcast, we're glad you're here and start to soften your shoulders and connect to your breath. So taking that deep inhale really filling your belly, seeing if you can hear the sound of your breath moving on the back of your throat as you exhale and release, feeling some softness washing through your body. And second breath, deep inhale, feeling your feet wherever they are holding and as you exhale, releasing. And then last one, deep breath in, picturing that air going right to your brain, that oxygen activating your focus. And when you're ready, exhale and softening. All right, let's start talking. Thank you. I have been putting snow clothes on my kids for the last five hours, so that was a nice little break. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if I was breathing during it either, so I'm glad to be breathing again. (laughs) Oh, um, okay, so today I heard that you took you attended a webinar, right? Recently on, was it Third Culture Kids? Yeah, our, a webinar, an excellent webinar, um, which I highly recommend. We can put the link in the show notes because sometimes I attend webinars or I make time and something's really boring or it's not really useful or it's something I've already heard before. And this was really informative Um, discussion with some great authorities on third culture kids and parachute kids. So parachute kids was a term I had heard before, but hadn't looked up the definition. And then I've talked to some other people since even in the foreign service community. And, you know, those of us who lived overseas, I've lived overseas for most of 
my children's life. So I've referred to them as third culture kids and not knowing what a parachute kid is. So it's um, the simple definition I would give is a boarding school kid. It's like picturing the airplane with the whole family dropping off their child, usually for an educational um, destination. And then uh, the child is kind of acclimating to life in a different country without their family. Maybe their um, parents and possibly their siblings are not with them. So that's kind of a parachute kid. And the definition of third culture kid we all know is a kid who, it's the kid who when you ask where are you from, they don't really have an answer. <laughs> they were born somewhere, they've lived in several different places, maybe the grandparents live in another location and we move all the time. So that's definitely, I didn't grow up as a third culture kid, but I am raising third culture kids. So um, this was such a fascinating webinar and I was really interested to talk about it because once again, it came down to that. There's kind of that two perspectives that you and I've talked about, like that there's always two stories. And for me, when I considered raising my kids overseas and what kind of life we would have in the foreign service, I was thinking of it as a benefit that my kids would get to live in so many different places. Like that's something, a gift that we can give to them that they can move around the world, experience different cultures, see you know historical sites, get to know, people around the world just as a benefit. And of course, the other perspective on that might be that this is a challenge. My kids will face a lot of adversity. They will have, um, you know, a, they will have a challenging upbringing if we are moving them around the world all the time. So it was, um, so this discussion focuses a lot on that. And if you as a parent right now are raising kids, I just want you to just take a minute to consider which camp you're in. And of course it's a range. We're not all, we're not a hundred percent like this is really lucky and wonderful opportunity. And we're probably not a hundred percent on this is just a really hard hardship um, of your life. So where are you on that range? Do you think you're in the middle of seeing the challenges and the the benefits or would you be more towards the benefit side or the challenging side because our kids are really learning from us so if we're in the positive perspective our kids are probably going to be more on that end of things and if we're in the kind of this is really hard, like brace yourselves, get ready for another move. Um, you're gonna have to say goodbye to your friends again and you're gonna have to overcome that hurdle of meeting all the new kids when you arrive. And we don't have any say in this, it's just the way our life works because we move around the world. You, then your kids are gonna probably have that same perspective on their life. So. I just wanted to point out the, that connection between how we talk about the two different stories and what are we telling ourselves. And I'm sure this changes as well over time too. You know, we could have had one post that was really fun and we were really positive and then maybe we're somewhere with a lot more challenges now and we might be 
focusing more on the challenges and it's 2020 so we all might be <laughs> focusing on the challenges so i don't know do you have any what do you how where are you on this on this scale annalee with your kids yeah um well like you i did not grow up as a third culture kid in fact i don't know if there's like an opposite to this but if there ever was it feels like i was the opposite because I, by the time I was born, my parents were settled down in a house that we then lived in for, you know, 20 years. And so I never moved once. I was just, I just. What is the term for that? Like one culture kid, one limited culture kid? <laughs> <laughs> That's the story, right? That's the story we can tell ourselves. But I did not feel limited, right? Because it was all I knew. Of course. And as I left the house, I thought, well, I didn't even really have the thought that I would raise my kids any differently. I just thought I'll probably live the same kind of life that my parents lived and not move and, you know, raise my kids. Well, they moved a ton actually before I was born. I, I have siblings that came before me and they moved around a lot, but by the time I came, they just settled. So anyway, interesting perspective because when I got married and we had our first baby, that's when this overseas life started. And, you know, we joined the state department and I was terrified because I thought for sure, I know how to raise kids without moving. You know, I can do that a lot easier because that's what's familiar to me. Um, but to move every two to three years, I have no idea how to do that. And I, I think my story then was coming from a place of lack. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I feel like I think the challenges in my head outweighed the the benefits of the lifestyle. But like you said, that's definitely ebbed and flowed. And, you know, I think it took me a while to kind of see a different story, but I definitely have kind of experienced the other side of that too. And the other story that there are great benefits. And I'm always hearing that from other people. Whenever somebody hears that we live this type of life like oh your kids are so lucky they have so many advantages to live having those experiences being exposed to so many cultures learning different languages and part of me wants to also represent the other side like yeah it is awesome but it's also very much just day-to-day -day life isn't that different than you know living in our home country and and it comes with challenges that are hard to explain to someone that might not live the same lifestyle. So, but I don't know what story I'm telling myself right now. <laughs> 2020, right? That's it's right. Own, it's its own story, but. Yeah, I think it's so, it's interesting for me to look back in the past because I, I didn't even have that idea that there could be challenges. I was really in this like rosy glow of like, wow, that will be so fun. And especially when kids were little, I just had like, you know, they just go along with us and it doesn't, you know, they don't know if we're in Egypt or if we're in a hotel in, you know, the middle of Illinois, like they have no idea. They're just waking up where they ever, <laughs> like as long as, you know, 
like Bill and I are there. They're just like, okay, great. We're here now. And so I think it also ebbed and flowed for me as the kids got older. I was thinking like, oh, having teenagers is hard to move because that's in teenage time of life, their peers are really important and it's all about their friends. So it's fine to move, you know, an 18 month old around the world, but teenagers will be more challenging. I had, you know, certainly different visions of what was challenging. Yeah. Um, so this, in this talk, and it was given by the, the Families in Global Transition, um, put this on. So I would look up that if anyone's interested because um, they have more information on this. And it was one person who led part of the discussion, one of the experts was named Tim Stewart. And he was, he's a professional international educator, um, a very talented, smart man on this um, topic. So he was talking about children at risk um, and he kind of reframed it as children at promise. So yeah. when kids have like some risk factors in their life, um, depending on whether it is, so this could be moving around the world or struggling with, you know, whatever challenges they, that you're facing at home, it wouldn't necessarily be moving, but that could certainly be one of them. Um, he just reframed it as children at promise because when we say or we define kids as children at risk and when they look at themselves as children at risk, they are looking at their adversity as I'm facing a challenge so this is probably going to lead to failure because the term at risk sort of gives that indication, right? Like if I don't, um, if I don't make this speech and debate team, then I'm kind of in, in failure and maybe I won't make the speech and debate team because I have to move and the teachers don't know me and they're not gonna put me on the speech and debate team. And so this is a challenge for me. So it might be something like that or it could be something bigger. And if we think of it as the adversity that our kids are facing could turn to promise, right? That could turn, if the adversity that they're facing is, it's going to be hard to make the speech and debate team after we move, but you can do it. You're gonna have that extra challenge and overcome it. Then that's when they learn resilience. When they look at the challenge and think about overcoming it, whether they whether they make the cut or not, I don't think is as defining as their attitude towards facing the challenge and overcoming it. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting what Tim Stewart had to say. And I love that idea of using the adversity that our kids face as that lesson to catapult them into, you know, adulthood and, and being able to overcome challenges as a skill. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, no, it totally does. And I, I'm interested in the word promise, like that, that would be the word that he would use because I would almost think, I guess something more 
natural to me would be going from children at risk to like children, um, maybe just hope would be the word, mm -hmm. but I kind of like that he jumps all the way to promise that it's not just the idea that, you know, they have these challenges, but they may turn out fine mm -hmm. or things might go okay. It's like he makes that full jump to no, these challenges, these very same challenges that seem debilitating or to put them in like, like a risk category could actually be the things that make them like incredible functioning, well-rounded people, like people of promise. Yes. Which is really good to explore because yeah, isn't that an awesome idea? That's exactly what he said, Annalie. I love the way you put it because he was saying like, as parents, we often have this idea that we should avoid adversity from our kids, right? And I, I, as a mom, I can certainly relate to this. Like, we just want to protect them. We want to prevent them. You and I have talked about this from feeling any of the hard feelings. We're like, oh no, grief. We can't we can't let them feel that we are protecting them. So we might be attempting to avoid adversity. And so you would think, okay, great. I've raised my kid in this perfect bubble and, the, and that way they'll be a successful, happy person. And that is in fact the opposite, that we're creating weak people of like weakness if we're avoiding that adversity and that the actual, um, you know, skill of, being successful and being resilient comes from facing those obstacles while they have the support of their parents, right? We don't want the first time our kids face an obstacle to be when they're 19 and out of the house and then, and then they're completely stuck by it. They wanna, we want them to face uh, challenges in life and have our support and our, you know, we're there cheerleading for them saying like, I think you can make the debate team. This is going to be hard. I get it, kiddo. Like it's, this isn't going to be easy for you and we're going to face it together. And these challenges that they're looking at, if they have our support really can be the defining factor that, that helps them have the ability to be resilient and, um, you know, kind of creates who they are. So I, I really just like that perspective of adversity being something that we want and which is really like flipping our whole thoughts, right? Because it is just so automatic to want to protect your kids. So if the, if you have a kid in a situation right now and you know, whatever they've been, I mean, I don't know, maybe your kid got detention or they're failing a subject or something, even being grateful. I'm so glad this red flag has come up right now or this bullying situation or something is happening in our life because I'm here with my kid. I'm part of their life and I'm aware of this and the teachers know what's happening and we can all, you know, create a plan to, to deal with this. Um, and to show my kid how they can face this challenge instead of looking at it like, oh, I don't really want to look at this or I'll just pretend, you know, we're not having this academic struggle or um, being really disappointed when the teacher recommends that your kid needs extra help or, you know, might have a label, things like that. If we can look at that adversity and say, I'm so 
glad this is coming up now. And I'm so glad we're facing this challenge of having to move in the middle of a pandemic unexpectedly and say goodbye to our friends in three days, because next time when we have to say goodbye, we will have, you know, more time and we will appreciate it or I don't know, just different ways to look at it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, cause you asked, yeah, if, if you have a child going through something right now, which basically everyone listening and me does, right? Like it doesn't take a lot of effort to be like, yeah, that's us, you know? Um, if there's anyone listening to this podcast who's like, I don't have any issues right now, please call us. We want to interview you. What it does that feel like? You will be special guest star every month. Totally. Um, yeah, and I think my initial reaction, and I guess just to give specifics, I'm thinking specifically about my oldest son. He's nine, and it has been a particularly challenging transition um, from moving from overseas to back to the States um, during COVID and just the inability to make friends because of course no one's making friends, new friends right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think of that idea of switching the mindset and reframing the situation because my gut reaction is to say that something's wrong something's wrong about this situation because of the way that he is feeling. Mm -hmm. like, and I, and when I tell myself that story, I want to fix, if I view it as a problem, I want to fix that problem. But if I hear what you're saying and just thinking about this concept, if I could even just transition to like a little bit of curiosity, like it doesn't mean I'm going to love the challenges or love seeing him struggle because that seems just not authentic <laughs> but yeah. if but and maybe but but maybe there's a chance to get there too i'm totally leaving that open but if i can maybe move to curiosity like you know this is a chapter that's not as easy for him and it's hard for me to see him going through this but maybe i'll just kind of zoom out a little bit, not try to micromanage the situation and just see what happens. And I mean, I think we're in month eight or nine of just being back in the States and kind of watching this. And I don't think this is always the case, but I have seen him kind of just speaking of resilience, just in his overall mood and things that he says, I do see him recognizing that it's a hard time, but that he can still choose to find things to be happy about. Mm -hmm. um, even little things like we, we had a particularly um, challenging time around Thanksgiving because uh, like everyone, we were supposed to be a family, but then it switched and changed. And, and he said something like, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to make this a good day or something like that. Wow. And, and I didn't like prompt him, you know, and yeah. I get that not every kid is going to say this, but, <laughs> and that is like, on the flip side, there's like 20 examples of the opposite of that, you know? <laughs> so I don't want to give some not realistic, you know, example, but I just felt like, okay, kind of what you're saying, maybe this adversity 
can help him see the world differently. Mm -hmm. I mean, what if he just, what if he just sailed through his adolescence, like you said, and then moved out of the house and had his first bad day, like (laughs) without anybody around. Right. Like what if the first time he felt like I don't have any friends was when he was 19 years old, right? You're like, what do I do without any friends? But for him to learn this at nine and be like, I can get through a year without friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I've still got my family. I've got stuff I can do. Yeah. Right? Like that's a pretty amazing lesson. Yeah. And to have that as parents too, in our back pocket to kind of flip back to that experience and be like, remember when we all went through COVID and yeah, you overcame something that was very difficult for you. Yeah. And so I have a question if they talked about this in the webinar or if you have thoughts. So with this lifestyle, how do you know when it's too much. So I totally can get behind, you know, embracing this adversity and using it as, like you said, a great word, like to catapult them into just being really well-rounded, independent, you know, humans as they leave the house. But, you know, my husband and I have said sometimes, if this ever doesn't work for our family, Mm -hmm. then we're going to pull out and choose a different lifestyle. But in my head, I'm like, what does that even look like? Because we've already proved to ourselves, it's already a difficult lifestyle. Um, See, and I'm telling myself that story right now. (laughs) But like, at what point do I recognize, oh, this may be too much. You know what I mean? When is diversity, like I get that it's good to befriend it, but I also want to be really aware of it might do some damage that, maybe could have been? Oh, see, that's such a good question, Annalie, because, okay, when I hear you say that, right, and like, it feels like we can control this because we joined the Foreign Service willingly, right? Like, we signed up for this and we know what it's going to look like. So I'm sure we feel like, oh, I can just stop this at any time. And then I would set my kid up for a different way of living. But, you know, in fact, like I was talking to a client the other day and she's considering like if she should send her teenager to residential treatment, but they've never moved in their life. (laughs) Like they've lived in the same place their whole life. And, you know, this is her concern. Will it be better for my kid? This in this scenario, or will it be better for my kid in this scenario, which is all, all of us have that, you know, all the time where it's just, we're choosing a school. Would it be better if I homeschool? Will it be better if we move to Mexico or or would it be easier for my kids if we stayed here? And we think we know the answer, but of course we don't know if we stayed here and we didn't move to Mexico. It doesn't mean we would save them from those lessons or that they would definitely get to keep all of their all of their friends might just decide they don't like them and be mean to them that year so um you know we just can't say well if we would have stayed in that place they would have all their friends and they would have all of that because we 
just don't know. Okay. But like all things, I just think it's that balance. Like you said, what can we do is that we have to stay in the middle of this range of positive and negative and recognize both. I think if we're too far on either side, you know, we're not allowing our kids to have their feelings and have their experience. I think it's like we can be honest and recognize, hey, this is really challenging right now. Yes, this is hard. There's nothing fun about today or this week or, you know, whatever they have going on and really acknowledging that for them when it comes up and not shifting immediately into like, it's going to be great and I'm sure everything will be wonderful. But of course, always looking at it, we're always going to try to make the best choice for our kids. And like, you will know as a mom, right? When it's too much, if you just have that sense of like, this is overwhelming, it's too much for our family. We have, we need to do something different right now. You always have that option. Yeah. But I guess that would be a different answer for everyone, right? When it's too much. Well, my answer I- is no answer. That's my, <laughs> that's my response. Actually, it's probably the best because like you said, it's, I want to believe that I would know mm-hmm. if it was too much. And, but I guess just the nature of the lifestyle being, it just, I think it just has a natural way of feeding adversity Mm -hmm. and we keep overcoming things that, am I just going to be like, oh, that we got this just because we, you know, we've done the last 10 years and they've been tricky too. And so of course this is just another hurdle versus being just really aware of the fact that it actually might be something we might need to do a little bit of a course correction, you know, switch Mm -hmm. to help someone. But I mean, I do like the idea that, that as parents, we will know if, and I, and maybe like you said, one of the ways to do that is to allow ourselves to, to tell ourselves both stories Mm -hmm. and not just stay in one camp. And I like that idea because who, who can stay in, you know, the, this life is the best and nothing else compares to it. Camp, you know, who, right. who does that? But I, and I feel myself, you know, switching between both stories, even like in one day, depending on this circumstances of what's going on in our lives but yeah for sure and like taking it back to the parachute kids too I was thinking of those parents and we did at one time kind of wonder about um boarding school for a little bit for one of our kids because would think of making that decision you know like is it more beneficial for them to stay with us but they're arguing with their siblings or you know, they're the kind of kid who would who would just love the independence of a boarding school. You know, I'm sure there are just pros and cons to both sides and how you, we can't pick like, oh, this one was definitely right. You just pick whatever happens and then whatever works for you, you know, and then we, when they're 26, we figure out if that was the right choice or not. Yeah, I know I was talking to, um, a friend the other day and we were talking about our parents and he said that his mom still kind of um, 
feels guilty for certain decisions that she made raising her kids. Like uh-huh. she wishes that she would have different done it differently, but she lives with that yeah. worry today, even though all the kids are out of the house and doing really good things actually. Right. But I heard that and I thought, oh, that's not how I want to spend my <laughs> empty nester years, you know, worrying if I didn't do it the right way. And, but I think that work can start now. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. I like that. What the coach that you and I both follow, Brooke Castillo always says, like, there's no point in worrying about the past. You know, it's over. We just have to look ahead. And of course we review and we, we can look at life and look at old photos and see what we've done, but worrying about it just isn't really going to be helpful for our brain. And like we were talking about our mindset and our body and that whole gut health connection, right? (laughs) Like worrying about it and eating donuts is just not really going to help us live our lives to the fullest, I suppose. I'm glad to know what parachute kids are. I didn't know that. I didn't know that term. So that's a new one for me. Yeah. I feel like we're like the hip parents on the, on the edge of what's happening in the foreign service world, knowing the term parachute (laughs) kids. Now that we know. Now that we know. What other terms out there are we missing that we could become more hip? Yeah, I think, um, on the call she talked about, at the webinar, one of the women talked about some terms, like in Mandarin, they have a word for, you know, smaller kids who go to school overseas. It's like a young international student and different words for this. And whatever the word is for a kid who just grows up in one place their whole lives. And um, we need a word for that. That's yeah. Stays in there in one home with, yeah, I don't know what that's called. I liked your limited one place label. (laughs) Limited one place child. That's not very positive. (laughs) It has to be like the the at promise. We're moving into the at risk term, I think. I love that. That's a good place to end. It's come back, circle back to at promise. How can we view that? those challenges is something like a building block, right? Instead of a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where our future is going. And certainly international schools and all of this is coming around to recognizing everyone's, you know, individual strength and appreciating the culture that you come from, the family that you have, the, the culture that you're in. If you're in a different, you know, location than where you were born and just appreciating it instead of trying to hide one or avoid one or, you know, just meld into kind of a nothing (laughs) sort of person who acclimates to every culture. I think, you know, I think we're getting more and more to the point where we all can appreciate and acknowledge what we have to, what all the different cultures have to offer and kind of recognizing that and just raising our kids that way too. Yeah. Well, that's good food for that. And so that webinar, we can, anyone can watch it. It wasn't just a live thing. They have it posted somewhere. 
Yes, the webinar is on YouTube, so we can put the link in the show notes. Awesome. And if you if you look up um, Families in Global Transition, Third Culture Kids webinar, it will probably come up too. Oh, cool. Thanks, Angie. Yeah. yeah. Great. Good to talk. All right. See everybody next week.